You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlett. The title of the message today is simply this, Live Generously. Y'all thought I was going to talk about gratitude. Mm-hmm. The obligatory pastor talk about being thankful. I got you. I, I know what's up. No. <laughs> living generously. When my wife and I were living in Nicaragua, a country in Central America, uh, we were there for about five years. We were big missionaries. And overseas, away from family, one of the benefits, though, of being in Nicaragua was that there is beautiful beaches that you could go to. And if you've ever had the privilege of being on a beach when the sun goes down, there's nothing quite as beautiful, in my opinion, as, as watching the sun go over the horizon in the water. And so we're living there in the country, and some missionaries told us about a beach. They said, hey, it's a gorgeous, beautiful beach. They said, but beware, the roads to get to that beach can be hard. In fact, Nicaragua is, has two seasons, hot and hotter. And, and in the two seasons, actually, it has a rainy season and a dry season. Uh, actually, let me just show you a picture. I actually went through, rummaged through my photos. This is us in 2012 on the beach. And what I love about this, and by the way, I, when I was in college, when I went to the beach, I wanted to see people everywhere. And then as I got older, when I go to the beach, I want to see people nowhere. Anybody relate? You know what I'm talking about? Like the dream, right? In college, you're like, people. Now I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Where am I going to put my stuff down? And so anyway, literally, I caught, actually, can you, can you scroll back, Elliot, real quick? So this beach right here, truly nobody. The sun's going down. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And my wife and I, we had only our daughter at that point. And then uh, my parents came along too and just got away from it all. And I'm telling you, just it was just unbelievably peaceful, beautiful, great weather, great time of year. Go to the next one if you, if you can, Elliot. And so here's my little girl and I walking on the water. I mean, truly had the beach to ourselves. One of my favorite things uh, let's go to the next one if you can. We would go to the side of the rocks and the water would come in. I debated about, is it awkward for you guys to see the pastors back uh, or not? And I'm like, eh, y'all can survive this one. All right, anyway, we'll have the prayer team available afterwards if you guys need prayer. Like, I just want you to know. Anyway, but I just wanted you to see. And so like, what you have to understand is that for us, you know, in the middle of everything, getting away and being able to be at this space and just the memories that were made, I did ask my daughter if I could share this picture. My daughter found a rock and decided she wanted to be a cell phone all the way at the age of two. At the age of two, she was already like, I'm gonna tell people what's going on and how to handle stuff. So by the way, that's a, a rock is a lot cheaper than an actual phone. Any, any parents of teenagers? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's go back to that situation. That's unlimited everything. Anyway, back to this one. Yeah, thank you. Man, Ellie, you're there, man. You're the man. I mean, a gorgeous, amazing, and beautiful vacation. But as I already told you, the thing that we were told about this beach, which is just an amazing place for us, the road to get to this beach is miserable. I'm talking about swallow your car whole type miserable. And, and it wasn't even paved. I, the majority of the, okay, so you get to the place uh, in the city, it's called San Juan del Sur. You get to the city, that's paved, 
But then you have to take a road, by the way, finding the road. In Nicaragua, they don't have street addresses. There's no addresses on the streets. So like if you get a direction, it's go to where the big tree used to be that was cut down. There's gonna be a dog that lives in that place now. And then you turn left and then you go down, they say you go down 1500 whatever and then you gotta find the magic spot. That's literally like directions. I think I said this before on a Sunday morning, the legal address for our ministry in Nicaragua was de la estatua Monsignor Lascano, dos cuadras al sur, dos cuadras arriba. You're like, what? Okay, I didn't just speak in tongues, calm down, that's Spanish. It's okay, y'all, just relax a little bit. The legal address of our ministry in Nicaragua was from the statue of Monsignor Lascano, which is the church, from the statue, two blocks south, two blocks up. That was our legal address, to give you an idea. The road to get to the beach was miserable. In fact, they said if you drive in the rainy season, you're not even gonna get to the beach. You're not gonna be able to make it because your car's gonna get swallowed by the mud and the difficulties. And so the challenge is, okay, we're gonna get there. And I'm here to tell you, we got our little Honda CRV. We loaded it with food because once you get there, you're not getting out for a while. And we, it was just painful. I mean, it was a very, very difficult road. The reason I bring all of this up is because in a lot of ways, this for me is what Christianity can be like. That the destination that God wants to provide you and I is of life and life abundantly. It's of finding joy that you can't get anywhere else. It's of having peace that you can't get anywhere else. Jesus actually says, here's the deal, I have all of the things that you need for your life. But then he says this, but you have to give up your life to find it. And I'm here to tell you something, this is Christianity. It's the destination that you and I can find ourselves in of incredible, this incredible experience of having and walking with God. But the road to actually getting there, ready? It's a road of giving up your life. And I remember watching a TED talk from a guy who's an atheist and he's like, I'm gonna be a Christian for a year and see what happens. And he did the TED talk about how it meant nothing to his life. Well, the reason why the road to getting to the place that God leads us into is so challenging, hard, filled with all kinds of different things is because that's the very road that God uses to transform us. What God essentially is wanting to do is to make us to understand and to get us to a place where we no longer live unbelievably self-centered lives. Because what good would it do to take us as we are to give us all of these things that he wants to give us if all we ever think about is ourselves? And then at some point, we're not gonna be able to enjoy the peace. We're not gonna be able to have joy. Why? Because we are so self-centered. And so the process that God uses for every one of us in this room is this. He has life for us and life abundantly. But then he says, I want you to give up your life. And it's this journey of walking away from selfish living. So you can have a guy who's an atheist, he can come to church for an entire year, pretend to be a Christian, and walk away and said it didn't do anything for him, why? Because guess what, I know this is gonna sound crazy, you can be a Christian and be unbelievably selfish at the same time. Which means that you can believe in Jesus, you can have eternal faith in him, you can die and go to heaven, but while you're here on earth, you may actually miss the joy that God has for you now, because all you think about is you because you are your own most important person out there. And so this is what God does. It's, I want you, this is a huge spiritual principle. He has great things and promises for you, but the road is hard, which is why many of us don't actually get a chance to experience on this earth the good things that God has, because you know what? We're not willing to walk the road. Jesus himself said the path is narrow and only a few ever find it. Now, 
the reason I have this picture up is because I want you to understand that if you're willing to rock the road, if you're willing to drive in the midst of potholes, if you're willing to give this thing a chance, what God does is when you're on the road, he moves you from being self-centered to being Christ-centered, to being him-centered. And then you can be someone who God can change and mold and work in. We could be people who follow after him in a beautiful way. Now, let me give you a thought with this. And I told you that this message is simply this, live generously. Let me give you a thought that we believe here at the church. Ready? We at the church, we believe that we give generously because we have received gratefully. The reason I tell you all of these things is because, can I just be bluntly honest with you? I am not a generous person naturally. I'm not generous. My wife is naturally generous. My dad is naturally generous. My dad will give you the shirt off of his back. You know what I am? I am naturally, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna give it to you. It's mine. It's mine, 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 mine. I am like my kids. My kids can have toys that they didn't play with for five years, but the moment their brother or sister picks up that same toy, you know what they said? That's my toy. What are you doing with my toy? That is, anyone else? No, y'all are all generous? Okay. I'm not naturally generous. And yet, being a Christian, following Jesus, means that we become men and women, regardless of whether we're naturally generous or not, ready? That we would all in this room be generous. So how do we get to the place where we can be willing to experience what generosity can mean for our lives if we're not naturally that way. And I'm here to, that's what this is about. So let me just ask you a question. Remember a moment in your life when someone was generous to you just completely unexpected? Just think, just think for a moment. When did someone just generously overwhelm you with something? What kind of an impact did that make on you? When we were living in Nicaragua again, we had a ministry for kids. And Nicaragua is one of the poorest countries in the whole Western Hemisphere. I'm talking about extreme poverty in some cases. And we had this ministry on Saturdays that would open its doors and kids would come running into the church. And I'm talking about kids who had nothing. And I could tell you stories that were just gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. And my entire time of Nicaragua, there was tons and tons of begging. People were always asking for stuff because they needed stuff. And I understood it. They're begging. They needed things. But I came across one kid, and I still remember this to this day. We're in our kid's service and he's eating some fruit that I had never seen before. And I'm like, oh man, what fruit is that? And he told me the name of the fruit. I don't even remember what the name of the fruit is. And he was eating it and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I said, and he goes, would you like to taste some one time? I said, sure. This kid leaves into the street and he comes back and he had gone down to the vendor and he had purchased fruit for me out of the little money that he had. And he said, hey, I wanna be able to give this to you. Now you have to, for me, my entire five years in Nicaragua, people were always, always asking for stuff because they needed stuff. They were in desperate situations. And it was, I completely understood it. But there was one kid who came to me and instead of asking for something, you know what he did? He took out of what he had and he used it to purchase some fruit, which wouldn't have been that expensive, but he came so that I could taste something that I said, I'd like to taste that. Do you, I was like, and I still remember that. I mean, he was there and he's like, here, I want you to be able to have this. And of course I tasted it right in front of him. I did not like it, but he didn't know that. I was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Generosity. Generosity is a huge deal and it can make a big impact on our life. So what, I'm gonna, I want you to walk a road today in church. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to think that generosity is for other people. I'm here to tell you something. Generosity is for you. Generosity is for you. And I want you to walk a road today because I believe that generosity can be something. And this is something the Lord's been challenging me with because I'm not naturally generous. I'm not naturally Christ-centered. I'm naturally selfish. And so this is something that the Lord has been dealing with me in. 
So how do we get to a place where we're generous? Before we're generous, let me just talk about a couple things. We have to believe some principles that I believe are absolutely important and critical so that we can then, because remember our statement, we give generously. Why do we give? Because we have received gratefully. So we have to receive first so we can position ourselves to actually be generous people. So before we're generous, let's talk about grace. This is a word that should be used in church hopefully a lot. Grace essentially means that we could never deserve what God has done for us and we could never earn what God has done for us. Look at this beautiful passage of scripture. Romans 5, 8, you know this passage, or you may know this passage, is this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. So here's the thing. When we talk about our relationship with God, we tend to say this. We're not that bad of people, are we? We're not that bad. And then if you ever hear someone talk like this, and these are words you might have even said, I'm, not, I'm a good person, I'm not that bad. And then we say this, I've never killed anybody. Has anyone ever heard that? Yo, yo. No, no one? And by the way, what does that do for the prisoners in the prison system? Like, seriously. <laughs> You're good, Miss Laura. <laughs> like, it's like a go-to phrase. I'm not that bad. And then we highlight it with, I've never killed anybody. And this is our stance for like, we're good. God should like us. When I was a kid, we were back in the US, we were visiting my grandmother's house in Eastern North Carolina. And we went, uh, my cousins, we were all there at my grandmother's house, and it was one of those warm summer rains that happened. And next to my grandmother's house was a gi- giant farm. So my cousins and I thought it would be an awesome idea to go play football in the actual fields where the crops hadn't grown yet. It was basically a giant pit of mud. And we played tackle, and we threw the ball, and we wrestled, and we were covered from head to toe in complete mud. And so we go back to my grandmother's house and we knock on the door and granny comes to the door and says, you are not stepping foot in my house the way you are. And she was adamant about that. And so we're like, fine. She's like, I'm gonna wash you off. Now, we were all caked and covered in mud. Every single one of us. How ridiculous would it have been for all of us who were covered in mud to be like, well, I wanna come in because I haven't killed anybody, granny. Like, I can come in, listen, I know I'm dirty. I can walk all over your beautiful rug that if we ever walked on it, you would shoot us on sight because you're, you protect that rug, Granny. It's like, we're all covered in mud. It would be, listen, we're all the same. And yet for some, one of my cousins to be like, well, I've never killed anybody, therefore I should be able to come in. That's almost the level that we equate this with sometimes. I'm a good person. And I know that sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. And if you look, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, caked and covered in our sin, that's when Christ died for us. And it is this beautiful image picture of grace. And guess what? All of us, even those who have murdered and killed someone else, can be forgiven. Even the thief on the cross can ask for repentance. And Jesus says, and today you will be with me in paradise. And how many times we try and compare, we think that others are not where we are, and I'm here to say we're all covered in it. Sin has enveloped all of us. I read a book years ago, Ragamuffin Gospel by Brendan Manning, and he talked about this father who wrestled with alcoholism and got to this place of unbelievable guilt because one night, kid in the car, it was wintertime up in a northern state, Wanted to go to a bar, but had his kid. Couldn't go in the bar with the kid, so he left his kid in the car. The kid got frostbite while he was inside of the bar drinking. 
And Brandon Manning comes in contact with this father who is feeling all kinds of guilt about, I mean, of shame and brokenness because of what he had done. And in the book Ragamuffin Gospel, he talks about how the, the gospel of grace that God provides for us is able to cover even the worst things we feel like we have ever done. And do you know what's amazing and beautiful about grace? There are zero exceptions to it. He loves all of us. It is the gospel where God could have walked away, should have walked away, and instead of walking away, do you know what he did? While we were still sinners, he came to where we were. We're all covered in it, but we don't have to stay that way. It's this beautiful thing. So we receive first God's grace. We receive God's grace. Even those who feel like they've done things that they can never be forgiven for, even those who have experienced and and made some mistakes that they can't ever take back, grace is good enough even in those things. So, before we're generous, we have to receive grace. Here's the next thing we have to be able to receive is God's truth. So let me say this, God's grace isn't a permission slip to do whatever you want. And sometimes we believe, oh, well, God will just forgive no matter what, and God will forgive, but I want you to understand something. It's God's grace, and then it's God's truth. We are never set free by grace, we're set free by truth. It is my truth that will set you free. And God's truth needs to be able to come into our life in such a way that we don't use grace as a permission slip to be able to do whatever we want. We are saved by grace, but then we are set free by truth and they go hand in hand. And this is the road that's hard. A lot of people love God's grace and they don't like God's truth. They love his grace, they don't like his truth. Because the truth has to deal with the areas of our life that we are unwilling or unwanting to change. The truth has to deal with the areas in which we're selfish, where all we think about is ourselves. The truth has to deal with, with where we can't see beyond how we should actually interact and love other people. And so you have to have both God's grace that's in our life, but then you have to experience God's truth. Experience it in such a way where you realize, ready, that God is actually the one who's in charge of everything and not us. And that's a hard thing. Uh, after my wife and I moved back to the States in 2013, it was a transition of leaving one country, starting again back in the US. We had a little girl, we had our boy. And in the midst of that, our finances just got kind of shattered. And we were down to $200 in savings in our, in our, our, in our bank account. And it's not a lot of money even back then. I know it's less money now. So that's like, you know, uh, like a, going out to the movies for one night. And so... It's like a popcorn. So anyway, I, but back then, like it was like 2014, my wife comes to me, we literally, and so we, we didn't, have, money was very, very stressful and tight. Life was very stressful and tight. And my wife comes to me and, and she says, I would like for us to give our last $200 away. And I said, what, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> Remember, my wife is the generous person. I am not. And, and so, she goes, there's a single mom and she's moving into a place and she doesn't have the money to be able to buy some of the appliances that she needs for her house. I wanna be able to give our, two, I said, our last $200. She says, yes. I said, are you sure, are you, sure you want it? She says, yes. I said, well, let's pray about it. And I'm like, God's gonna be on my side because God wants us to be wise with our money and good stewards. The Lord's not on my side. By the way, the Lord's almost always on my wife's side. It's a weird thing, I don't understand it. It's like, and he, I, Lord told me, happy wife, happy life. That's for you in the garden. That's the phrase Adam learned. Anyway, so we gave away, we gave away our last 200. Now for my wife, that was a joy. For me, I'm like. By the way, there's a passage, give joyfully, cheerfully to the Lord. 
So whatever, and those who are begrudging like me, whatever good things we would accomplish by giving, are removed because we're like, So we gave away our last $200. We helped a single mom get into her space. And first of all, I want you to know our family was completely fine and cared for. But have you ever, has God ever asked everything from you? Because we love the Jesus who saves, but he's not just the Jesus who saves, he's the Jesus who's Lord over everything. And here's a deep reality, ready? Everything is his anyway. So Jesus says you can find life, but guess how you find it? By giving yours away. That road is hard. That's why people can, again, be Christians for 40 years and go to church and never experience what God actually has for them because they're unwilling to walk the road. They're unwilling to drive the road even on a four by four. That's a separate, anyway. They're unwilling to do it. They, don't, they can't do it because they're afraid that it's too difficult of a task. And the task is relinquishing our rights and trusting and saying even the last $200, Lord, in our savings, yes, even that giveaway. We did, that was back in 2013 or 14, I can't remember all then, and Every step of our journey since then, God has provided unbelievably for us. But that realization's hard. Let, let, me, let me give you, let me look at this passage of scripture. This is Paul writing, and I think this is beautiful. In Philippians chapter four, he says this. At the moment, I have all that I need and, and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. We have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all the glory to our God forever and ever. The same God, by the way, this is not long before this, Paul writes a famous passage of scripture, I can do all things in Christ, which we assume means that we can do anything we want in Christ. No, he's saying I can do all things in Christ. I can live with a lot, I can live with a little. What he's saying there is this, is that God is my provider and no matter what happens next, I'm gonna be good because no matter what comes my way, I have Christ. And he is everything that I need in any situation, in any moment. And then he says this, and the same God who supplies me, guess what is the same God who supplies you? So I'm here to tell you something. The grace means this, that when we didn't deserve it, God gave it to us, and the truth, it says this, that everything is his to begin with. It's his. And if we are willing to acknowledge his grace and then truth, that the things that God has given to us are actually his to begin with, then we might be able to get to a place if we walk this road where you and I can be people who live generously also, where we can live generously also, because God is our provider. So I wanna look at a passage of scripture, a story in the New Testament that you probably know well. It's a widow's gift. If you're gonna go into church for a while, they usually do this right before they take up tithes and offerings. Here's a lesson on tithes and offerings. By the way, we're not taking up a special offering after the service. I want you to know, you're all like gearing up. That's not gonna happen today. This is about generosity and actually a posture of being generous in general. But here's the story, and you might know it, you've read it before. Jesus sat down near the, tax collector box, near the tax collector box in the temple. By the way, I want you to know, in the temple, they also had a box. They didn't pass a plate. Glory, woo! Okay, anyway. <clears throat> I don't know where that, okay, sorry. Let's all move on from our lives. Uh, to, and watch, so he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. 
Jesus called his disciples over to him and he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. It's not the amount, it's what's in the heart. And out of her heart, she gave this everything. And Jesus is highlighting to his disciples, look at what she's done, she gave everything. And the reason why I actually wanted to use this story, and I I can't, but Jesus is highlighting someone who gave everything, and his disciples in that moment are not gonna understand. But if God was gonna communicate to us that that he loves us, deeply, then what would he give? Well, you know where I'm going with this. He gave his life. So think about this. He's looking at a woman that out of what she had, she gave everything that she had. And Jesus, later the disciples are gonna understand it, he is communicating with us even now, 2,000 years later, how much does he love us? What did he end up doing? He gave everything that he had. Now listen, The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means that God is rich. I know it's a weird way to say that, but I have no idea how much money that is, a cattle on a thousand hills. Let's just say the streets are paved with gold. God has unlimited resources. He's wealth, it's not even close. And maybe you've even heard this phrase, someone is richer than God. Which by the way is ridiculous because no one could even be that. God has everything to begin with. He has all the resources. So how would God, with all of his wealth, communicate to us that he loves us? by giving us everything of who he is, by dying on the cross. And then we wonder, how much does God actually care about me? Well, how, does, how do you know God cares about you? Because he was willing to die for you and he was willing to die for me. And Jesus, as this widow comes and gives everything that she has, he himself came to earth, why? To give us everything that he has. And what this should mean for us as Christians, for all of us who follow Jesus, is Once we can download this deep into our minds, it'll shift the way we think so that we can in turn learn to be generous ourselves. Let me give you three ways that we can learn to be generous in, ready? And this is for us in the week of Thanksgiving, that all of us can learn to be generous. Here's the first way, ready? This is the first one is obvious. We can be generous with our resources. I get it, dude, things are more expensive. I get it, things are a little bit tight. I get it that things are not as easy, I get it. But do you know that God has given you things and the principle of life is not to live it selfishly. By the way, I'm talking to myself. The principle of life is to live it by giving away. And so I would pray that we would be people who give with, by the way, there's something beautiful about generosity. Our, we went on trick-or-treating on Halloween night. We went out and my son at that time, he's, he was four. At the time he was four, he was, he's been four. Anyway. Feels like it was like eight years ago. It was like just a couple weeks ago. He's four years old and, and all these other kids had glow sticks and he didn't have a glow stick. And this other little girl in the group who is not a lot older than him took her glow stick, which was big, and she said, here, why don't you have this? And I watched this little girl be generous and do you know what it did to me? I was like, oh, just like you, oh. And my son, that whole night, he held his glow stick like it was his prized possession because of generosity. How is the church supposed to tell the world that God loves them? How? Because we're generous. Because we don't hold on to things tightly. Why? Because God saved us and then God is over us. He's our provider. 
There's something about sharing what you have that is so significant. So in the midst of this holiday season, my prayer for you is that you would be someone out of, out of what you have, you would be willing and open, listen, allow the Lord to be open enough to realize that God wants to actually use you to help bless somebody else. Be generous out of your resources. That's the obvious one. Let me give you two more. Some of these are a little bit less obvious. I, the second thing I wanna challenge you with is this, to be generous with your words. There's so many Bible verses I could use. I'm here to tell you that God is way more interested in our words than we are. He takes what we say very seriously, very seriously. And by the way, words written online are also our words. And they last for a long time. So anywhere where we speak, whether it's written online or whether it's in person, my prayer is that we would be people who are generous this Thanksgiving with our words. We have an amazing lady in our church and last year she lost her husband unexpectedly. Very difficult situation. And she's been a Bible study leader here in the church. By the way, I asked for her permission to be able to share this. She's been a Bible study leader in the church. She has, we witnessed her and her family go through unbelievable grief last year. But I also witnessed her hold on and cling to the Lord in the midst of this. Like just trusting God in the midst of unbelievable pain. Well, as these, this holiday season approaches, she was asked to be able to write out just some words to encourage other people who may be in this holiday season or having a difficult time because they've lost a loved one. And so out of what she had just been going through, she wrote this little thing, and I, I wanna read a portion of what she wrote out. And she was writing this for those who are navigating a difficult holiday season, wondering how they're gonna make it through having lost someone. And Miss Donna, this is part of the email that, that she wrote. First, she talked about how Jesus grieved when Lazarus died and it's a beautiful passage of how she highlighted that. But then she said this. She said, if this is your first holiday season without your loved one, let me share a few of the things that helped me and my family in our first holiday season. Remember, it's okay to cry when you need to. And she talked about Jesus and how he wept. Then she said, don't be afraid to talk about the good memories that you have. Tell stories and laugh. Then she said, do something new. Maybe start a new tradition, go on a trip, try a new dish for your holiday meal, start a journal. Uh, by the way, just the holiday, Miss Donna's speaking truth, there's a holiday meal in this thing. <laughs> food, 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 glory to the Lord Almighty. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Lastly, honor your loved one by honoring the Lord. Count the ways in which the Lord provided for you. Recount the times that he sent you peace and comfort. He will do it during this season too. Don't be afraid or feel guilty about moving forward. Recite Jeremiah 29, 11 every day if it need be. God has given you a future and a hope. Don't allow the enemy to steal the hope from you during this season. Make the most of everyday life and don't shy away from the joy and enjoyment of this season. Hold your family and friends tight. Love on them. Sadness is okay and expected. Allow yourself to feel the sadness, but don't allow it to completely consume you and steal your joy. Lift up your head and celebrate this season. It's because of this season that we have a hope and a future of eternal life. And so generous with your words. And what it would take for all of us in this room when we leave church today to understand that the thing that God wants for us is that when we leave is that we would stop being so angry all the time with other people and we would use our words to help lift up and build up the thing that God is maybe trying to do in their life. 
that we would use our words generously for the people that are around us, that fathers, you would use your words generously over your families, that mothers, you would use your words generously this Thanksgiving time. And listen, even when your crazy family comes from out of town to have Thanksgiving with you, even there, use your words generously. And you might need to take a five minute break to go get a recoup time, like, okay, okay, okay. And then go back in with your crazy family, but use your words generously. Why? Because of what God has done for you. When we were still sinners, he gave us life for us. So use our words generously. We can be generous, and last but not least, and then we're done. We can be called to be generous with our forgiveness. We can be called to be generous with our forgiveness. Let me give you a definition of forgiveness that has helped me a lot in my life. For me, this is the definition I've used a lot, is forgiveness really is giving up your right to get even. When you feel like someone's wronged you and you feel like you need to get even with them for them to experience what you had to endure, you know what forgiveness is? Giving up your right to get even. Relinquish it. Say, Lord, I'm gonna give this to you. And I'm here to tell you, if you can walk this path of being generous with your resources, you can be generous with your words and you can be generous with your forgiveness, this Thanksgiving and this Christmas will be better than you thought it could be. I'm here to tell you something. Generosity is not for those who are naturally generous. Ready? The rhythm of generosity is for all of us in here. Why? Because all of us have been forgiven by God because all of us have been renewed by God because he has downloaded on us a new life in a new way. So guess what? We are all made to be generous people and to go into the world, ready? To be generous into the world. Be generous in the places that God sends you. Be generous with what you have, with your words and with your forgiveness. And if you do this, then you're gonna find yourself that that road that you walked, actually you're gonna discover, you're gonna go from Getting is awesome to giving is awesome. I will speak as a parent. I was a nightmare for my parents at Christmas time. I found out what my presents were every year. I drove my mom crazy. I was the kid that would do the lift the tape and look inside the box and put the tape back. Anyone else like that in here? Talk to me. My parents got so bad, they started wrapping my boxes inside of other boxes. One year I thought I got a big, uh, uh, chest for like tools. This is when I was a kid. And it wasn't. There was like a Knight Rider toy in there. Y'all don't know about Knight Rider. <laughs> Knight Rider was the jam back then. It was this little Knight Rider toy. Like, I'm sick of you opening presents before you're supposed to. Why? Because I'm captain. I want me for me for me. As an adult, and you guys would understand that, you know what one of my joys is? I, I, I don't even think I'm going to have a present under the tree this year. Because my wife and I, we're like, well, anyway, all right. We're like, we get our presents early. We're like, oh, we're good with this. Okay, anyway. But our kids, you know what they have under the tree? And on Christmas morning, you know what my joy is? Is to watch them open something. My point is this. The Lord wants to move you from being someone where it's all about you to being someone that sees the world differently. And the road that he uses is generosity. And if you'll do it, it's gonna make all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, because you want us to live a generous life but we're never gonna be generous if we first don't stop to acknowledge what you have done for us and in us. That what you've done for us is to set us free. That what you've done for us is to redeem who we are. 
what you've done for us is to give us a hope in the future. And then you turn and ask us to go out and to be generous ourselves. To not hold on tightly to the things we think are ours, but to give abundantly, generously. Lord, with our words, with our forgiveness, with what we have. And my prayer is this church would be filled with people who live generous lives where their first inclination is, okay, God, I'll give it up. I'll give it away. It's yours to begin with. And I just, Lord, that the world would see what that would mean for it. A world that is so broken and tired would see Christians being generous this Thanksgiving season. Generous when they're, when they're out out in the world, generous in their workplaces, generous with their families, generous in their neighborhood, generous. So we love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We praise you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.